it's a heavy thought. So he's now identified by his owner. When it's written, he doesn't say Paul the missionary. He doesn't say Paul the apostle. He puts it in there, but it's after the first identity given. The servant of Jesus Christ. This man challenged the preachers that were in the room there. He goes, what do you identify as? And, and it hit me pretty good because he said this. He says, if somebody in your congregation came up to you and addressed you by your first name, what would you do? And I thought about it for a second. Now, I believe, I've been taught this, I think it's scriptural, that we address our pastor as pastor. Please don't call me reverend or any of that garbage. But pastor is good. Because God places some honor in the position, not because of the man, because of the authority that God places in the position. But for a thought for me, it was, it was humbling to think about, no, I should not get so hung up on the position, the name. My position in Christ is that I am a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is how I should identify. As Christians, that's how we identify. So I want to look at a few things, just three things I, I thought about being a slave, what it would mean to be a slave. Now, none of us have ever been owned by another individual. We don't know that experience. But first of all, you are owned. First of all, you are owned. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll look at being owned. You now are a representative, and slave, a slave is one that is totally obedient. You don't have a choice but to obey. The Roman slave, if he didn't obey... The, the owner had the legal right to behead that man on the spot. There's no legal reper, uh, repercussions because that person was their property. They could do with their property as they will. Well, as a Christian, we stand in, in, in grace, praise the Lord for that, but he owns us. We don't have our own will anymore. We should live that way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we can identify with you. Lord, that you bought us with a price when we're not our own. I praise you for that. Guide us tonight, Lord. Use your word to encourage, to strengthen, convict, or just that we would be walking closer to you when we leave here tonight because of your word. We'll praise you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So first of all, you are owned. The slave is owned. He's purchased and as I just read about the Roman slave, you don't have a name anymore. <laughs> you're, you're not your own. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The last part of the chapter is 19 and 20. I don't know about anybody else, but it's warm up here. says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Ye are not your own. That statement makes our flesh bow up and get, get a little bit stubborn, doesn't it? When, when you tell an American that he doesn't have any rights, what's he do? I'll show you my Second Amendment rights. <laughs> I believe in my rights, 
And I do. I praise the Lord for the rights we have in America. We're losing our First Amendment rights, and when we lose that, it's all gone. But you, you consider as a Christian, you're bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. That perfect, spotless lamb went to the cross and died for you. That's the price that I'm bought with. I, I don't have any say anymore. I no longer have rights. It's all in Him. It's all according to Him. I am not my own. That's what that means. Your will should die. Your desires are gone. It's what God wants for you. And, and as we walk with Him, we become more and more um, submissive to that. Which, I mean, what know ye not? These things, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you're not your own. The slave is no longer his own. You, you don't have a say in your life. Go with me to chapter 7, verse 23. Short little verse, and there's, there's so much around it, but I just want to look at verse 23. You're bought with a price. That same blood that we just mentioned. You're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Be not ye the servants of men. You're redeemed. You're no longer a slave to sin. I, I thought about it as, as I put this, put this message together. You, you consider being a slave... And it, and it makes our flesh bristle a little bit. It goes against the grain. I am not a slave to anyone. And you go out and you listen to the lost and you tell them that they're a slave and they will argue with you. But we are a slave to sin or we're a slave to Christ. That's right. The taskmaster master of death rules your life until Christ takes control. We paid the price because now we're no longer a slave to sin. You are now the slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's it mean then? Did I have my own way this week? Was I submissive to Him? The more and more I read the Word of God, the more I come to the theme, to the, to the teaching of submission. And I believe I've been preaching it for six years. The Lord has been teaching me it for these six years that submission is the key in the Christian life. Because I'm not my own. I have to be submitted to Him. I don't have a will. I wish I could get that, what I want and what I think and what I'm going to do, I wish I could get that out of my vocabulary completely. Lord willing, I will do this. I will go and, and I will serve Him tomorrow. I, I will walk with Him then according to His will. Boy, we live our life according to what we think and what we think we know. And, the Pro and Proverbs says that's leaning unto our own understanding. Being owned is in all our ways acknowledging Him. There's so many things I do in my life just robotically and I don't consider the Lord. The slave doesn't have that, op that op option. He doesn't get up in the morning and think, well, this is, I'm going to sleep in a little bit today. I don't feel like getting up and serving the Master as much, so I'll get there when I get there. And uh, when I get there, I'm going to do, do my job somewhat, and uh, I'll work for eight hours, and then I'll have a little good time after that. And I'll go to bed when I want to. 
Isn't that how we live our life? You, you think about it, it's silly if you were the slave. The slave says, as soon as you're up at 4.30 in the morning, you're following me, you're doing my bidding, you're walking according to my desires, until you lay your head on that pillow at 10.30 tonight. The entire waking day is serving the master. That's what it means to be owned. I'm sorry to say, I do not live my life as I'm owned many times. I think I have possession and I can do what I want. The slave is owned. If I identify as the servant of Jesus Christ, I submit my will to his. So we're owned. We represent the master then. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 You represent him everywhere you go. You know, you're a chosen vessel picked by God to represent him. If you were chosen to be the ambassador to another country for the United States, you would Consider that a great honor, and it is. But you're a chosen vessel to shine to this world and represent Jesus Christ. Verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I was looking at this and we were giving my dad a hard time on Wednesday night. All their, all their stuff is, if their clothes are not destroyed, they're covered in soot and, and they haven't been able to get them cleaned yet. So his... His wardrobe is very limited. He got one suit given to him, but he came to church Wednesday night in his blue button-up search and rescue shirt. And uh, he's been a member of search and rescue in, in Converse County for probably over 20 years. Anyhow, it had the badges all over it and stuff. We were giving him a hard time, really dressed up for church in your search and rescue. He said, well, a Christian is on search and rescue. He said, that is, your, that is what we are as a, as a Christian. We're searching the lost and we're rescuing them with the gospel. And, uh, you know, you're a chosen vessel to represent the king to search and rescue, to find the lost and bring them to Christ. What an honor that is to save lives. You know, we, we, when I was there, I was part of search and rescue, always considered it so much fun, so cool to go get someone and bring them out. You know, that hero complex swells up a little bit. You feel pretty good about yourself. Uh, even though we're only one of a pretty large team, you know, you feel like you've done something. You've rescued these people that are stranded up in the Rocky Mountains. We got a, we got a couple out off of the top of the mountains at 4 o'clock in the morning, 4 below, wind chill factor of about 45 below. They'd gone up there with light jackets and flip-flops on and got their car stuck. I don't remember what state they were from, but it was not Wyoming, and they were not aware of the situation they were getting themselves into. And they were so thankful that we came and got them. 
We laughed at them behind their back. Thought, boy, why would you do that? But it felt good to go and get them. And I was glad to be able to do so. But how much greater to win one to Christ? It says if our salt has lost its savor, if I, don't have a, if I don't have a love for the Lord and my light is not shining, the Bible says that salt is thrown out and trodden underfoot. That slave that doesn't serve is no longer any good. The Roman chopped off his head. He had every right to execute that person and leave them laying there. So as a Christian, if I don't have some saltiness, if I don't have some light, what's the Master to do? We are to be representing Him. We are to be shining His lights. Go to Luke chapter 14. talk about my dad some because I spent time with him and because of the things that are going on in their life. But this, this fire in their house is a great opportunity. I mentioned it, Lee reminded me, and I mentioned it before Sunday school, that they've already had chances to use this to open doors to, the, to speak of, the, of what the Lord's doing in their life. Say, so he's in control of this. They want to know why my parents aren't dejected and depressed and, and, uh, and just in despair over the loss of their possessions. And, and they've lost a lot. My dad's just said, well, God's in control. We trust Him. What a great opportunity to be light in this town of 6,000 people. Everybody, if they don't know who my dad is, they know of him. He's been there since 89. He's had a radio broadcast that's, that's aired Sunday morning and Sunday night, a, a sermon that he preaches for at least 28 years. So everybody in Douglas knows who Tim Ricker is. One of the ladies in the cash register asked me if, if it was my first time in Douglas at the grocery store. I said, well, no, I, I grew up here. My parents live here. Who are your parents? Tim and Gail Ricker. Oh, I love Tim Ricker. Just a random person. I don't know who she is. She knows my dad. This This... Fire, everywhere he goes, they ask him about it. Everywhere. Anytime we went somewhere, we, somebody would walk up to him and say, so sorry to hear about your house. And my dad would say, God's in control. He's, he's, he knows what he's doing and there's a purpose in this. And we're giving him the glory. Well, what a great testimony. That's being a light. In a situation that the world views as, as a catastrophe, he's being a light. Now Luke chapter 14, 26 through 35, <coughs> we see the cost of being a slave. Get in the right chapter here. Verse 26, If any come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And, what, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he is able, with ten thousand, to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, 
Whosoever he be of that of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. We have to be able to say, you are the Lord of my life. All that I have, I've forsaken. We know that verse 26 doesn't mean literally to hate your father and mother. The Bible says, love your father and mother, honor your father and mother. But it is that I am willing to give up everything for the cause of Christ. I no longer have a name. That's what the Romans said about the slave. These earthly ties are severed. Verse 34, salt is good if the salt hath lost its, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath an ear, let him hear. We are going to pay a price of just letting go of everything. Now, <clears throat> I'm truly a representative of Jesus Christ. He is my everything. I can let go of those things. I can pay this price and forsake all to be his disciple. We represent the King of Kings. There's no greater calling than that. And then we have total obedience. Total obedience. I know these things kind of overlap and are, are intertwined, the three points. But go with me to Matthew chapter 24. <coughs> Verse 37 through 46. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. The servant is busy at all times. He doesn't know when the Lord is coming back. I want to be found busy, that's what the servant's mindset is. I'm going to be constantly working. We don't know when the rapture is going to happen. In that twinkling of an eye, there will be two in the field, one taken and one left. Boy, as a little kid, before I got saved, I used to wake up in the middle of the night, jump out of my bunk bed. I was, if, if I remember right, yeah, this was on the ranch. I was on the bottom bunk, but my younger brother had pulled a mattress out from underneath. He was sleeping on the floor, and my brother was sleeping above me. I knew my older brother was saved, but I knew that I wasn't yet I was scared to death of going to hell. So I would wake up, jump out of bed, and look to see if he was still in bed. And then I could go back to sleep. I, was, I knew this passage, and I was, I was conscious of the, the possibility of being left. I wish I had the same urgency today all the time. When I was little, it was just driving me. And I... And I Praise the Lord, got saved when I was 13, and he took that fear away. But I was, I was looking at it as a real possibility that the rapture could happen at any second. 
I would sit in the back of the car, scared to death that my parents were going to be gone and the car was going to go in the ditch and I was going to be left. As a little kid, those were the thoughts I had. Because it was real to me. And I think someday, sometimes we've known it for so long that we don't realize, we don't live our life like the rapture is imminent. I look at it like, well, that was five or six years old. That was almost 40 years ago now. It's been a long time. And the flesh gets used to that thought. Well, it'll probably be another 40 years. We don't know. We have to be busy. I don't know if I'm going to die tonight and stand before the Lord and answer for the things that I'm doing today. Verse 43, But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of God cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? That's the same word, doulos. Who is a faithful and wise slave? whom his Lord hath made him ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. That slave of the Lord Jesus Christ that is faithfully serving, is watching, is, is being diligent. The Bible says we are to watch and be diligent. Is blessed when the Lord comes. You know, as a Christian, we can dread the coming of the Lord. Because we know we're not right with Him. I don't want to stand before Him today. I'm going to have to answer for the things that are going on in my heart and life. The Christian that is walking with Him is John at the end of the Bible that says, Even so come, Lord, quickly. I messed that up, but that's what he said. Right now, come. John was excited about the return of the Lord. Christian, if we are living in total obedience, we're not worried about the Master coming. I worked a job when I was in high school for the state fair, and I, I was maintenance crew two weeks. We worked the week before fair. We worked the week of fair. The week before fair, we had to clean out all the animal barns and get them ready. And this kid named Jesse and I were given the goat barn to clean. It wasn't bad. I mean, it had basically been used once or twice all year long. Concrete floors, we just had to get a push broom and sweep out the floor. It was, it was two or three times the size of this room, maybe more than that, but we had all morning to do it. So I thought, well, this is simple enough. I got my broom and I'm sweeping. And I looked over and Jesse's over on the corner watching me. I looked at him and I thought, what in the world? That was foreign to me. My dad would have taken the broom to me if I was leaning against the wall. I'd have got a whooping for that. This is the first time I'd worked in a secular job. I was like, what is going on with that guy? Like, doesn't he know that the boss could drive up? And then we're going to get a whooping. <laughs> that was what I thought. I'm going to be in a lot of, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. That guy's an idiot. That was the thought I had. I'm just working. And it didn't stop me from working. I'm, like, I'm going to be found doing my job when they drive up. And, and it happened that they came up. Now, it was, you know, state fair, and they didn't expect much, and so Jesse wasn't in trouble like I was hoping he would get in trouble. <laughs> he didn't hardly get in, I don't think they reprimanded him for leaning on the, the wall. So I swept out the whole goat barn. But you know what? I had confidence when the boss came that they were going to see me working. 
I didn't fear them coming. I know Jesse was looking over his shoulder. I believe we live that way as Christians so many times. We're not in total obedience, so there's this, this hesitancy that with, if the Lord comes back right now, He's going to find me living for myself. There's some fear in the return of the Lord. This, the master that is diligent says, Even so, come, Lord. Right now would be great. Let's go home to be with the Lord for all of eternity. So how do you identify? If we identify as the servant of Jesus Christ, if I were to say, Ryan, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's who I am, it means then that I, have not, I do not have my own will or way. I'm owned. He is in control. I also say that I represent him. When you say your last name, you represent that family. When I say the, ma- the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm representing the King of Kings. And then in that is total obedience. I'm walking with him day by day. From the time I get out of bed till the time I lay my head down on the pillow at night, I am serving the Lord. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm to be communicating with the Lord. Some of the best times for prayer is when he wakes us up in the middle of the night. He's got something for us. So many times we're self-willed and we don't see it and we don't take advantage of those times. But the slave is serving God 24-7 in total obedience. And it's a, it's, a, it's a place of honor. You know, the Romans, the Romans some of the slaves... When they died, they asked that their name be put on the tombstone as the slave of so-and-so because that was a good master. Because that was a good master. I thought about that. That's, that's pretty cool. You know, I know that in, in our history, that when the North uh, defeated the South and the slave trade was abolished, some of the slaves took the last name of their master because they didn't have last names. There are, there are families that can trace their history back to that. And I'm not excusing the slave trade. What I'm saying is there was some good masters that when they left, they didn't hate them and, and just run away. They took the last name of that man because he treated them justly in an unjust situation. We have the king of kings as our master. We shouldn't be ashamed to ever say, I'm the slave of the Lord of Lords the King of Kings. We have an esteemed position, and I, I want to be known as the slave of the Lord. I want my actions to show that I am His slave. I want that for each one of us as well. Let's pray. Father, thank You for our time tonight. Thank You that You bought us with the price. Father, that You paid our redemption, that we are no longer our own. We're no longer the slaves to sin Father, Satan has no power over us anymore. Lord, we serve you. Help us, Father, to to, uh, crucify the flesh this week and live in total obedience, total submission to you, that your power and your glory can be shown to those around us.